Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Something I would challenge us because sometimes people seem so afraid of being alone. So afraid of seasons where we may be alone. Sometimes it's in those seasons where we're alone and we're free of distractions that God is free to reveal himself to us, reveal more to us of who he is. And I would challenge those of us that have, maybe you feel lonely or you feel alone or there's seasons where it's just quieter than you wish it was. Maybe you need to let that be a season where you tune in to the Lord in a greater way. Do you avoid being alone? Do you see it as a bad thing? And you try to fill the loneliness with distraction. Maybe God wants to use your loneliness. In his message today, Pastor Bill will suggest that God sometimes speaks in a greater way through the lonely times. Instead of asking God why He's putting you through your season of loneliness, maybe you could see that time as a blessing from God. Maybe He's inviting you to lean into Him, to lean into prayer and getting to know Him more. Now, here's Pastor Bill. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. For a lot of people that look at Revelation as a scary book or a confusing book or a book to stay away from, I hope that we're going to see as we go through it that none of that is the case. This book, like no other book in the Bible, is unveiling the person of Jesus Christ, revealing aspects of who he is, his character, his nature, his person. So even though we just finished the Gospel of Mark, which we walk through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, we saw and learned a lot about Christ. I'm saying that the book of Revelation is going to give us even more. Uh, There's even more about who he is, what he loves, what he hates, what he does, what he's going to do, what he has done that are revealed in this book. So um, it should bring us each into just a deeper place of understanding about who Jesus is. So the title of the book is the, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the unveiling of the person of Jesus Christ. As we go through the book, One of the things that I want to do is, as we go through, I want to point out all the way through the book the different things that it's revealing to us about him. So every page of this book is teaching us something about Jesus. Uh, Even when we get to the pages of Revelation that are dealing with the judgment, that tells me something about who he is. Um, When we look at the pages that deal with everything becoming new, that tells me something about who he is. As we look at the chapters that deal with the church age, it's revealing to us things about who he is. And so uh, we'll highlight those things as we go through the book. And um, I believe that the book of Revelation uniquely, um, this book is best understood by knowing the whole Bible. So if somebody were a new believer and they were saying, what's a good book to start with? We wouldn't say Revelation because this is why. There are characters, symbols, events, numbers, colors, so forth and so on in the book of Revelation that are symbolic. And here's where people get messed up. Sometimes the things that are symbolic are explained right here in the book. We're going to see that in chapter one already, That not today, but next time. Uh, there are some things that are symbolic or they're symbolic of something else. It's explained right in the text. Other times there are things that are symbolic in Revelation that were explained in Old Testament scripture. Whenever that happens, I will take you to those scriptures and show it to you. So um, this is a book that does require at least knowledge of the rest of the books of the Bible so that it's all made clear. Does that make sense? Y'all follow? So we'll see something in today. We're going to see something in Revelation chapter one. It's going to say the seven spirits of God. 
And most people say, there are seven Holy Spirits? I thought it was just one Holy Spirit. It's scary. It's not scary. Then you go to back to the book of Isaiah, and it's showing us that it's not seven Holy Spirits. It's one Holy Spirit, seven characteristics. Seven is a number of what? Completion. So we get a picture of the full working of the Spirit of God, and we get to see. So then as I take Isaiah and then Revelation, like, oh, that's what it's talking about. I got it. Move on. So when that comes up, we'll do that as we move through the book. So with that... Um, let's jump right in. The rest of the things that would be part of the introduction are covered as we start going through. So everybody look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. So first, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. We've already said that. It's the unveiling, the uncovering of the person of Jesus Christ, which God, everybody say God the Father, Gave him, that's Jesus, God the Son. So God the Father gave this to God the Son, to Jesus, to show his servants. So how many of us are here are consider ourselves servants of Christ? This book is for you, right? God says, there's things that I want those that serve me to know about me. And so the things that are written in this book are for, it's for us that serve him, us that are walking with the Lord. God says, look, I want my servants to know and understand some things. So God the Father gave it to Jesus to show his servants things which must shortly take place. The Greek word for shortly, because someone say, well, that was written a long time ago, so did it already happen? The word shortly, it doesn't necessarily mean something that's going to happen right away. Um, it means that from the time it begins, it'll be rapid succession. So um, as we look at some of the events of this book, there are things that when they begin to happen, um, they're going to continue to happen. And then we have to keep in mind with the Lord, if he says shortly, with the Lord, one day is the same as what? So God's shortly is not usually shortly to me. Anybody just had to wait on the Lord, you know, it's like, God, I've been praying for this. It seems long to me, um, but it's short to the Lord. What he says here, these things that much shortly take place, we're going to see in the book of Revelation some future events. And uh, at different segments, we'll see, you know, when those things are going to be laid out. So, um, but the idea is that the event may happen soon. Uh, it, it's not that it would happen soon, but it's that when it happens, it's going to be suddenly and in rapid succession from the time that it begins. So these things are written for his servants um, about things that must shortly take place. And he says, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. So the message of revelation was given from God, the father to God, the son, who then sent it via angel. Angels are messengers for the Lord. And so he sent it via angel to John. Now, which John is he speaking about here? This book came through the apostle John. Um, this is John, the son of Zebedee. So for you guys that went through Mark with us, as Jesus went calling disciples, he first called Andrew and Peter. That was the first set of brothers. Then he went to James and John, the sons of who? Zebedee. And when he called them, James and John left their father's business and left their, you know, their fishing nets and they went and they followed Jesus. So John's been on a bit of a journey. You know, John started there early in the Gospels following the Lord. Uh, he was given a nickname. Him and his brother were given a nickname earlier on. Who knows what that is? They were called the Sons of Thunder. Why? Because they wanted to bring down judgment. They saw some believers, some people that were following Christ, but not the same way they were. And they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven on them? Should we smoke them? Because they're not doing it the way we're doing it. And then uh, that was kind of the heart early on. That's, you know, that's what we were nicknamed Sons of Thunder. 
It'd be like you leaving church today and they're different. Y'all know there's different types of churches than what we do, right? So you might walk by a church and y'all are kind of casually dressed. Maybe you roll by a church and everybody is suited to the T, you know? You'd be like, Lord, should we call down fire them for the excessive dressing that they're doing? Um, you know, as, as that's essentially, that's kind of the heart that, that John and his brother had early on. But everything, something changes. As you follow through the Gospels, John ends up being the one with a really tender heart. He ends up being called later on the apostle of love. We get glimpses of him resting his head on the breast of, not the breast, literally, but, you know, resting his head on the chest of the Lord, just cuddling up with Jesus. This is the one that, as Jesus is hanging on the cross and looking down for who should care for his mother, Jesus said, son, behold your mother, and mother, behold your son. He left his mother in the care of the apostle John. Uh, he said he didn't leave her with Peter, chop her ear off. You know? So he left her with John, the beloved, to love on her. And as you follow through the New Testament, John was the apostle of love. And so um, how does he end up getting the book of Revelation? Right. Um, it's interesting. John lived during a time where believers were under extreme persecution. It pleased those that were in governing authorities. They were seeing that it pleased the crowds. It pleased the people to persecute believers. And so there was a man named Domitian who was in charge at this time. Uh, he was um, just heavily, heavily uh, persecuting the church. And he took John and he boiled him. By the time he did that, all the other apostles had already died some faith, um, died for their faith. Peter, uh, it was said, church history tells us Peter was crucified upside down because he said he wasn't worthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord. These guys had all died for their faith in various ways. And so John was boiled and he didn't die. Um, and so, I mean, they boiled him. They supposed to, Everybody else they boiled died. They boiled John and he came, he was there like, you know, like, What's up? You know, like where's the chicken? You know, he he didn't he didn't die in the in the whatever they boiled him in, and so they exiled him to the island of Patmos. They said, John, you're going to be exiled to this island. They put him on this island all by himself, probably that he would just be alone and die on the island of Patmos. This is what I think is so interesting. It's in this season of him being exiled all alone that he gets the greatest revelation of Jesus that he ever had. Now, he had been with Jesus during the earthly ministry of Christ, and he had had a lot revealed to him about Christ, walk with him, listen to him teach, experience the death, burial, and resurrection. But in this alone season exiled on the island, God revealed himself to him in ways that, um, that he had never known previously. And something that I would challenge us, because sometimes people seem so afraid of being alone, um, so afraid of seasons where we may be alone um, sometimes it's in those seasons where we're alone and we're free of distractions that God is free to reveal himself to us, reveal more to us of who he is. And I would challenge those of us that have, maybe you feel lonely or you feel alone or there's seasons where it's just quieter than you wish it was. Maybe you need to let that be a season where you tune in to the Lord in a greater way. Um, so it's as John is on the island of Patmos that he gets this vision from the Father through the Son through the angels to the apostle John as he's exiled on the island of Patmos. And so now it says in verse two, still speaking about John, it says, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. And obviously John had witnessed with his own eyes the life of Christ. So he bore witness of the word of God. He gave testimony to Jesus Christ, all things that he saw. Verse three, um, this is how we know that this book is a blessing. 
for any that would say. And I actually spoke to a pastor last week who said, nah, I don't really get into that book, man. It's, it's, that book's kind of, you know, confusing and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Pastor, I'm like, bro, this, y'all know this is the only book in the Bible that promises a blessing. Uh, look at verse three. Blessed, oh, how happy is he who reads. That's me. The word reads there means public reading. So I'm selfishly doing this. Blessed is he who reads. So I'm looking for my blessing. It says those who hear. That's y'all. Those who hear the words of this prophecy. So those who read it and those who hear it. Number three. Don't miss this one. Those who read it, those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Now, if, if I read it and don't obey it. And if you hear it and don't obey it, ain't going to be no blessing. Amen. But if I read it and obey what I learned, if you read it, if you hear it and obey what you hear, God says uniquely this book is a blessing to the one that reads it, hears it and keeps it. And so I can't understand why people run from a book that God said, this is going to be a blessing. This book is unique. Now, I think all the Bible would bless you if you read it and heard it and obeyed it. I think that. But this book explicitly says it. Amen. So for those reasons, I'm excited to get into the book and learn about it. So um, I believe as we do, again, more and more, we're going to learn things about Christ. We're going to learn things about the future, learn things about what's to come. Um, But most of all, and the thing I would kind of ask you to focus in on is listen to what we learn about Jesus on every page of this book. We're going to be shown uh, things about him. So uh, once again, blessed is he who reads, those who hear the words of this prophecy, and those keep those things which are written in it. And he says this, for the time is near. And some people look at it, they well, that was a long time ago. Um, the time is near for every Christian in every generation. The time is near. If they're not here, if those people that read this when John was alive, if they didn't get the rapture, death came. Amen. The time is for you and me. We're, there's either going to be a rapture or death. One of those ways we're going to meet the Lord. Either way, the time is near. But this is what we can say uh, authoritatively. We're closer today than we've ever been. And even as you read through the book of Revelation, there are things that line up today that have never lined up the way that they line up today. So we know that we're closer. The things that God says are going to happen, nations that he says are going to come together, there are things that you can look at here And you can look on the news and say, wow, we are actually closer than we've ever been uh, to everything being wrapped up. And so um, he says, for the time is near. Look at verse four now. It says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. So this is modern day Turkey coming to John. um, He'll address very specifically in chapters two and three uh, churches in that region. Uh, He opens up with this greeting. He says, grace to you and peace. And before we go into who it's from, he says, grace and peace, which are common greetings in the New Testament. Uh, many of Paul's letters, grace and peace to you. Um, some of the other uh, writers of scripture, but he opens up with grace and peace. And this is why those always come together. Grace is unmerited favor from God. Every believer is saved by grace. Amen. Unmerited, undeserved favor from God. That's how you're saved. That's how come you're going to get to go to heaven. You don't deserve it. You haven't been good enough for it. Here's the cool thing about grace. If I was never good enough for God, can I be bad enough for him to break up with me or to to drop me? I'm a recipient of grace. I'm saved by grace. And so even when God saved me, it wasn't on my merit or your merit. Amen. It was on the merit of the fact that God said, I'm gracious. I'm giving people what they don't deserve. Do I deserve to go to heaven? No. Do you deserve to go to heaven? 
Anybody? No, you don't. I'm going to help you out. Don't say yes, right? What do we all deserve? If God were going to be just and fair with us, what do we deserve? Hell. We broke commandments. We broke his laws. We sinned in his face. Some of y'all did it after you knew better. Terrible. Some of y'all, you know, like we deserve hell. But God says grace, grace. I'm better than that. I'm giving people what they don't deserve. Grace. And it's as I understand grace that I now also have peace. I got peace with God. There's a peace that we have as believers knowing that I've never been good enough. So I can't mess this up. That's what grace does for me. Um, grace says, if I'm, I'm saved by God's grace, it's unmerited favor, then I'm solid in that. Because if grace is why, then that doesn't change. If I mess up today, um, it was always by grace. I didn't deserve it anyway, right? If I'm doing great in my walk with the Lord today, it's still by grace. I haven't, it's not like if I do better with God, I had a great week devotionally. I mean, I studied, I prayed, I witnessed every single day. I led someone to Christ and I gave hungry you know, people on the street food. So I know this week, you know what I'm saying? This week it became, I know I'm going. Because then what happens next week? When you saw somebody hungry and you was in a rush and you just drove by and you had money, somebody asked you for change, you had a bad attitude, you got up late and didn't do devotions, you watched stuff you shouldn't have watched. That week, what happens that week? If it's on you, your walk with the Lord is going to be like this. I feel confident. I feel unconfident. I think I'm saved. I don't think it's going to be like that. But if it's a matter of grace... Um, I know that I'm saved by grace. And so he says, grace to you and peace. Uh, the peace always follows the grace. It's as I understand the grace of God that I have peace with the Lord and the peace of God in my heart. Grace to you and peace. Now it says this, from him who is and who was and who is to come. And we'll see in verse four, each person of the Trinity. Um, this first one is speaking, of, I believe this is a reference to God, the father, the one who is and who was and who is to come. And this can't really be said about anybody except the Lord, right? Only God was and is and is to come. It's speaking of the fact that God is eternally existent. God doesn't have a start day. He doesn't have a beginning day. Uh, some of the cults will say, oh, well, you know, Jesus had a start day. He, Jesus was born. So on his birthday, December 25th, y'all know that's not even his birthday. That's not even accurate anyway. But we know that Jesus didn't begin to exist when he was born of a virgin. Y'all know that, right? We see, you know, Christophany, we see, you know, pre-Bethlehem Jesus in Genesis already. He's always existed. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were always there. That's why in the book of Genesis, when they say, let us make man, who's us? It's the Hebrew plural form for God. It's not El, it's Elohim. It's the plural form. It's let us. God is, they're talking among themselves. Let us make man in our image. And so, um, that's not just one of them. That's all of them. They all had a, a hand in this thing. And so here it says of the father who he was, he is, and he is to come. Eternally existent one. Um, grace to you and peace from him, the one that's always been. If the grace that's coming and the peace is coming, it's important to know the author of it. Amen. It's coming from the one that always was, that still is, and that is to come. That means nothing's going to change. If you're in on grace, it's not like we're going to get a new leader one day and everything changed. Anybody ever had a job and you had a boss that liked you and then a new boss came and you had to hope that the new boss, I hope the new boss is cool like the old boss or else I'm going to have trouble. You know, that's not going to happen in your walk with the Lord. The father is never going to be removed from his station. Uh, he was, he is, he is to come. And if he's ever had grace on you, he still has grace on you. Amen. So the one who was, 
um, and who is and who is to come. And then it says, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Again, this is speaking of the Holy Spirit, but why does it say seven spirits? Um, There's only one Holy Spirit. What is that talking about? And if you're a note taker, I want you to write down Isaiah chapter 11, verses one and two. And here it gives us seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And so this verse isn't saying that there's seven Holy Spirits. It rather is speaking of the full work of the Holy Spirit. Seven in Scripture is the number of what? Of completion. So um, I'm going to read Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2. It says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord, one of the attributes of character, he's going to be the Lord. Um, There's mastery. He's going to be the Lord. Um, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And these are all things that he said, this is the full working of the Holy Spirit. So when he says here, look, this is coming, grace and peace are coming from him who was, from who is and who was and who is to come, the Father, the seven spirits, just the full working of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And then in verse five, and from Jesus Christ, we have the Son, and from Jesus Christ, And these are the things it tells us about him, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. These three things about Jesus Christ. First, he's the faithful witness. Um, What does that mean? What do I take from that? Jesus was the faithful witness. Uh, Obviously, there are things that he shared that he testified to that he was witness of in his time on earth. And he was a faithful witness. He was actually faithful all the way to the point of death on the cross. Amen. He's the faithful witness. Uh, Then it says he's the firstborn from the dead. This is important. Um, The idea of Jesus being the firstborn from the dead, it means much more than that, that he was just the first one that was resurrected. It also means that there's preeminence among all those who are going to be resurrected. Jesus is the prototype, if you will. He is my proof that when I die, it's not over. So as Jesus died and resurrected, he's demonstrating to everybody else that believes this is what's going to happen to you guys. So when we look at Jesus in his resurrected body, we know that somehow we get a little glimpse of what our resurrected bodies are going to be able to do. Um, What was Jesus able to do in his resurrected body that was unique? Walk through walls, right? I want to walk through walls. You know, I'd walk through walls right now, but this is painful, you know. Uh, You know, so walk through walls in his record. He just showed up places and it's a different body. Um, It's not like his normal body. It was different. We don't know all the details, but we know this, that if he rose, we'll rise. Um, his raising from the dead is my proof that I'm going to, death is not the end for me either. Jesus died and then he demonstrated that he had power over the grave and that he rose from the grave. And so everyone that believes in him, we know that death is not the end for us either. Amen. Death is how I cross over into the next realm. Death is how I begin the next phase. Death is how I enter into eternity. But death for the believer is not dying. It's transitioning into the next phase. For non-believers, the Bible calls it the second death. So for a non-Christian, death is death. But here's the crazy thing. Does anybody stop existing? No. Everybody is going to exist for eternity. Even non-believers are going to exist for eternity. It's what the Bible teaches about death. Death is dying in a place of separation from the Lord, where there's also torment that goes along with it. But that's the second death. Um, If you're alive today and you don't know Christ, the Bible says you're already spiritually dead. You're dead already. And then when you die, 
while being spiritually dead, you get the second death. You get to remain separated from God now, though, in a place of torment that God created to punish Satan and all the demons that fell with him. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Revelation, this book is entirely fascinating, if not a little bit confusing. But don't get distracted by all the strange things mentioned and lose sight of the fact that Jesus is showing himself in a mighty way through this book. The description of Jesus in this book sounds like some fierce, ultimate superhero, someone you would want to follow but might be a little afraid of, too. But Jesus is coming to redeem a broken world. Some of the ways God will go about doing this may not be fully understandable from our perspective, but that's okay. It's still worth studying and eagerly anticipating the fact that He's coming to make all things new. What a relief. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from our Revelation series, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call 310-245-4811. Once more, That phone number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of Revelation. We look forward to our next edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill. Make sure you tune in for the upcoming message as you're sure to learn more from this intriguing book of the Bible here on A Transforming Word.